0: Welcome to the Catalyst Church Podcast. We're here up in Humboldt County, California. We're glad you're with us. We hope that you're blessed and that you find peace and grace in the word of God today. Hey, good morning, everyone. Hi, friends. My name is Jason.
1: <laughs> and I'm Bethany.
0: It's good to, good to be with you. Welcome to our service. Uh, we are starting off uh, a new sermon series yeah. uh, that will take us right out to the beginning of summer. And I think you want to tell us a little bit about
1: it. Yeah. So we're doing a series called Why We Do. And we're looking at the different elements to our service and why we do those things every week. So, uh, today we'll look at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at why we worship through singing, um, why there's a message that we teach from or God's Word every week, um, the confessional that we do, all these different elements of our service, why we have them, the, the prayers for the people, and um, Yeah, and so we're going to look at some of these, and then from there we'll go into our summer series, which we'll actually look at the parables of Jesus, so I'm really excited about that as well. But today's is on the Lord's Prayer.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, so um, before we get started, I'm going to say a word of prayer, and Mm -hmm. then maybe you can invite us into uh, the text this morning. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Uh, God, thanks for uh, gathering us here, and we just are thankful that your word is living and breathing, and we just trust that um, and ask that it would do that for us this morning. Mm. In Christ's name, amen.
1: Amen. So the Lord's Prayer, it holds a lot of different emotional weight for many of us. Um, Prayer in general, it leads us into a deepening relationship with God, with our Creator. Uh, and But not only does it do that, it actually helps change our priorities. Because when we're in prayer, we are actually... Um, consciously connecting ourselves to a different uh world out there the kingdom of God essentially um and, and so prayer allows us to see the world as God sees the world when we are connecting in that way to God and, and, it, the Lord and
0: it allows a, it it changes us as well
1: yeah absolutely there's something that shifts within us when we are in prayer with God a, a different heart posture happens.
0: Soren Kierkegaard uh, is a famous philosopher you may have read and he said, you know, prayer is, prayer is much more about uh, changing the one who prays and about changing like God's Mm. heart or mind. Like it really does have a kind of a a, a very huge effect on us.
1: Mm. That's right. That's right. Um, Now the Lord's Prayer specifically is a prayer that has been said kneeling beside bed as we're being tucked in at night. It's been something that we've recited over sick and dying loved ones. Um, We have said it in times of trial and pain while also reciting it in times of joy and celebration. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is graced at funerals and presidencies. It has been recited in church services since the very first churches met in homes from the very beginning of the church. this prayer, Holds a lot of meaning for most people, um, especially within the church. It has like these weighty words with it for some people. And then for other people, it actually can bring to the surface some church guilt or residual guilt that is left over from when you were growing up. Sometimes it is something that's incredibly meaningful, but then also other times it could just be rote memorization. So one of the questions- All of those things play a part. Totally. And I mean, it could be a a kaleidoscope of those things over your entire life as well. And I think that's, that belongs, that belongs. So I want to ask a few questions and you're welcome to pause the video if you want to reflect on them a little differently, if you want to write them down and allow them to sit in your mind. Uh, But the first question is, did you grow up reciting the Lord's Prayer? And if you did, or even in the last number of years, or even the last number of times that you've signed on to our youtube service um have you felt challenged or uncomfortable or comforted by the lord's Mm. prayer and what does that look like are there different pieces within the lord's prayer that you feel comforted or challenged or discomforted by um what what is that what what part specifically like what has the lord's prayer been like for Mm. you and I think it's important that we allow questions like that with anything that we do time and time and time again. You know, every week we take communion. So those same questions could be a part of our lives when we look at what it looks like to take the Eucharist, to receive communion every week.
0: Yeah. I always like to think back towards uh, the, the way any of my rhythms have played a role in my life. Mm. Um, you know, and so with the Lord's Prayer, uh, I think that, it can it can have a freshness to it at any given point. Yeah. Um, even if it's felt, wrote, or memorized or any of those things. There's there's always a place for it to like mean something different and new for whatever the given circumstance
1: is. Yeah, definitely. So. Something that I've done in the past as well is is I I piece it apart and allow each part just to be a prayer in of itself. So our for a while and Father, um, Holy as your name, and then write uh, saying different things about those things. Our together community mm-hmm. church. Um, those it, you you can really create this prayer as a template for diving deeper into the heart of God and, and our heart, where those hearts mingle and meet. Good. Yeah. So I'm going to read the text today. That'd be great.
0: Um, and uh, today is Luke 11, 1 through thirteen. Uh, thirteen and. Um, it's very rare where we read from Luke's passage on the Lord's Prayer. And Mm -hmm. what I like about this one is it adds a couple of different parable-ish, more like one and a half parables at at the end of it. And I think that are really important for understanding what the prayer is. So it goes like this. It says, he was praying, he being Jesus, in a certain place. And I wish I knew what the certain place was. (laughs) And after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, so, in other words, Lord, teach us to pray the way that our rabbi showed us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Notice the differences between this one and, and Matthew. Uh, yeah. So give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. as for we, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And in the parables, and he says to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. That's what I tell Bethany. (laughs) Um, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receive, and everyone who searches, finds them. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, which my child children do, will give him a snake, which I do, instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Also noted in the Shea household. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Mm. Yeah.
1: Thanks be to God for this word.
0: Yeah, thanks be to God. So I think um, what we'd like to do is maybe start just a bit in the actual parables. Yeah. And then kind of work our way back into the... To the prayer, because the prayer is yeah. quite familiar with all of us, but the parables may, maybe a little a little more fresh.
1: Well, and it seems like Jesus is putting those parables in place to give commentary to the prayer. Yep. Like he's saying, This is how you can pray, but let me give you some um, additional help with knowing what that looks like coming yeah. to
0: God. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have just some initial questions. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, it's an odd time. Why Why does the author tell us midnight?
1: I mean, and we don't know the answer to that no, necessarily. No, we don't but know,
0: but, but I still think it, it, it's, 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 an, it's inconvenient.
1: It's an inconvenient time. It's a time that, like, it's not like he's sitting down to dinner and he can just take one of the loaves of bread that he was having at his table and give it to his neighbor who needs bread. Like, this midnight is a time when most, most people are done with the day. They are in bed, the door is locked, just as the parable says. But
0: I think there's a point of him saying that there's a... That, even at an inconvenient time.
1: Yeah, even at an inconvenient time, that neighbor got up and he got him bread.
0: And, and here's, the, here's the, the thing that's interesting to me about this is the friend asks his friend for bread for his friend that showed up.
1: Yeah, it's a friend of a friend that the neighbor doesn't even know.
0: Yeah, the neighbor doesn't even know. But what I love about that is he's saying, no, that friend of mine who showed up is actually a part of our our community Mm -hmm. it's important that you know that
1: yeah yeah And so there's
0: even a participation of saying this this person over here is important to me and and we we do this together and that's why i came to your house because i want you to know what's happening that's right yeah um and i I think that that has implications for even how we operate today
1: right right Um, this is an honor shame society which means that if your neighbor asks you for something the way that you don't place shame upon yourself is to be able to meet that person's need mm-hmm. in that ask. Uh, and and what I love is that it's I mean this is this would be like the beautiful part of community. This is how we'd want to see community flourish in, in its best way. Is that when when your friend shows up and you have nothing to give your friend that you can knock on my door at the dead of night and I would say yeah, I've, I've got something that you can give this person I've never met before because I love you because you're my friend. So it's, this, it's, like, it's like these layers, it's this extension of community and, that is so beautiful. And
0: think about, think about the, the witness that provides mm. to the community when um, the friend who didn't know the other friend realizes like, oh, your friend gave us this for me. Yeah, like that's a pretty powerful. Like you have a friend like that that you could go knock on their door at midnight and ask them for bread. Yeah, like that's pretty powerful. So that's the other part of this that I love is is the friend who asks for the bread. He he assumes the he assumes his friend's gonna give him the bread. Yeah, he like believes that like he's this is like someone in my life that's gonna like help me out. There's a level of trust, a level of belief that he's gonna act mm-hmm. on what it means to be a, a good neighbor
1: in a yeah, sense, right? Yes, it, it takes an act of faith to go to your neighbor's house that you that you can trust that they will actually do what you were asking them to do. Now, oftentimes this passage is read in light of like, I'm the friend, my friend shows up to my house and I need to go to my neighbor's house and my neighbor is God and in this story oftentimes it's used like that we take this parable we mean it to, to mean that and maybe it means that i think that's the sure. beauty of parables is that we can get all sorts of meaning and interpretations out of it um but but i see it more as you know because so for instance it says here that um that he, if you go to your friend and the friend's like, no, 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 I've already tucked in my kids, we're all in bed, show up another time. And then it says, well, because of this person's persistence, the man will then get up and he will do what the guy's asking him to do. But the word persistence is actually a word that is, it's, uh, the Greek is anadeia, which doesn't mean persistence in the same way as like annoyingly calling again and again until somebody does something.
0: It's not like a salesman it's not like a sales salesman. salesperson who's like do you still want that vacuum <laughs> yes this i is,
1: do this is it means it means shamelessness my niv translation calls it shameless audacity
0: so the verse would read like this it would say um it'd say, I tell you even though he will not get up and give you anything because he is his friend at least because of his shameless audacity is shamelessness, you mm-hmm. will get up and give him whatever he needs. Yeah, so tell it so. Walk me through the shameless part of this and like why that's important to understanding this text.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I think it, it means that when we come before God, there's a sense of coming without any kind of um, perfected way of speaking to God. And there's like this way that the church has behaved over the years that there's um, specific Proper mannerisms that we're supposed to have as people before we step into the church, before we make contact with God, before we go into a place of prayer, we need to have our sins absolved, and we need to light these candles. And put we on your
0: Sunday best.
1: Yeah, put on our Sunday best. Wear the beautiful hat, whatever it looks like. <laughs> uh, you know, light the I candles and <laughs> <I'm always laughs> say the, the rosary hat. or whatever, whatever it is. Wear certain clothes, or only a priest or only a pastor can do this or that. And I think what it's saying is that in in the way of, of a friend going to a friend's house or in the way of a child approaching their parent, there is there's no perfected way of going before them. You just get to go with your full self in all your mess. You get to in your
0: pajamas. Your, in
1: your pajamas. Yeah. And and that friend will receive you because they are your friend not because you're a nuisance or because you are an inconvenience to them. And I think the beautiful part about this is that Jesus starts this whole thing of them saying, let's teach us how to pray. Jesus says, okay, pray like this, our father. So the, the, the prayer begins with the truth of father, which is a term of intimate compassion and care instead of beginning with some reluctant neighbor. So we have to come from that angle when we're reading this parable, that Jesus is talking about father instead of some sort of reluctant neighbor that you are being inconvenienced by or whatever. So I think that's really important when it comes to like how we use this parable. I think this parable more than anything isn't a picture of God and us. I think it's more like Jesus is saying, you know, in our society, if you need something and you can ask your neighbor even at midnight and they will give it to you and they might be reluctant and they might be inconvenienced, how much more in our in our fallenness and our in our stinginess that we actually show up, how much more in God's lavishness, abundance, overwhelming grace and mercy will God show up? Mm. If this if we are if we show up this much, how much more will God show up? Mm. So I think that that's kind of the the beautiful part about that that part there. Anything else that you want to say about that?
0: Um, <clears throat> so not necessarily but I, I definitely think that the lord's prayer is an invitation into like it's it's that it's like in into shameless audacity i mean yeah. you when know, you consider what's being prayed um it it very much is about me being a participant mm. in what god is doing yeah um, and not just like a petition like god will you do this it's like how are, how are we doing this together mm-hmm. um, you know, I have a, a pastor friend we follow, his name's Mike Erie, and he uh, he had said something to the effect of this prayer is it's saying yes to like the revolution of God. Mm. So that being when you go to your neighbor, or if you're the neighbor that someone comes to, you're going to act in such a way like that's revolutionary. That's different than what the, the, the culture says. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that's like kind of a a pretty important grounding for how we get how we understand this prayer of just that like act of like i'm saying yes to the revolution
1: yeah john
0: asked teach us how to pray we ask we're always asking that question how do we pray like yeah i mean how many classes have we been to on prayer or books on prayer and all these things it's because we all in all the searching for that intuitively know that there's something about prayer that's really important in our lives yeah,
1: yeah.
0: and um we're all trying to find ways to explain that and you know here's jesus saying like actually you want something revolutionary father father hallowed be your name
1: yeah yeah and i i love how he he goes into so i say to you ask and it will be given search and you will find knock and the door will be opened what i love about this is it's like the it's like jesus is saying god desires a relationship with you to where you can ask I mean, how often do I feel in, in the life of, of Christianity and um, in the life that, of, of the Christianity that I grew up with specifically, you have to believe certain things before you belong. And what I see here is Jesus is saying, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know the answers to everything. You can come before me with all your doubts and uncertainties and, and, and questions and ask, ask it. Don't come saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to say the creed because I know the creed and I'm going to say the creed. Jesus is saying, come with your doubts and your uncertainty, the things that feel like they are falling apart around you. Come with it and ask, seek, and search, engage with me in this place.
0: And all of those things are part of a process. Yeah. that, That helps not only, it helps the person asking, sort through it
1: mm, definitely you know? and i mean i think the most beautiful part about all this and and we'll get we'll get to it in a minute here but also is just the fact that i think i think god did all the asking god has has done all these things god knocked god sought i mean even jesus says i stand at the door and knock and this sense that that everything that we are doing god has done before us through christ so it's not us doing all the work it's God already making that way for us. Hmm. And I think that's the beautiful, that's one of the beautiful parts about this prayer is it's very intimate, communal. It's meant to connect us with God instead of being some sort of rote memorization. Um,
0: but if you haven't memorized it, it's a good place to
1: start. It is a good place to start, definitely. So I have, I have some words that I prepared that I wanna just bring us into, and then we'll go into our time of response through communion together today. So first of all, I love how this prayer is one where these disciples who have been with Jesus for quite some time now, they still ask how to pray. And just like Jason was saying, like, we've taken all these classes and, and we've been doing all these things and yet we're still wondering, like, well, how, how do we pray? And I wonder if they, you know, they they'd probably spent their entire lives going to synagogue and going to the temple and to, they're praying the Shema multiple times a day. The Shema is a prayer um, out of Deuteronomy. Uh, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. So this was a prayer that they knew and they prayed every day, multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. Prayer was as common as daily bread. It was just like what they did. And yet I wonder if maybe they felt the presence of God differently with Jesus. I wonder if God's presence was like so palpable, like the air was thick with the, with the divine attention that they experienced every time they were around Jesus, that they knew that Jesus must be able to pray differently than them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like throughout Luke, especially throughout Luke, there's a lot about Jesus getting away in, in Luke to pray. And so Jesus goes away to pray and they're watching him they watch him go 50 yards down the way and like put his, net, his back up against an olive tree and pray with God. Even though like his entire being feels like one being of prayer, hmm. he engaged in conversation and communion with God. And it was different than just like simple rote memorization that they were used to. Hmm. Um, the way that Jesus prayed wasn't like a required time of prayer. It was the kind of prayer that Jesus did that was very intimate and like a like a child with their parents.
0: And it was spontaneous, too. Yeah. Um, it's spontaneous and intentional, kind of both at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it's often, you know, we often see when Jesus went off to pray, sometimes when things were just getting started. Yeah. You know, crowds were around and he would just be like, okay, I gotta go. Peace out. Yeah, I <laughs> got better like, things there, to do. There's something else more
1: important. I know in a world where like, we're always clamoring for influence. Jesus is the example of the opposite. Um, but yeah, this, this, I wonder if, if the way that Jesus connected with God was something that the disciples saw and they were like, I want that too, that, you know, that we've met people like this. We know people people in our lives that like have that sort of intimate connection. And we're like, how do they, I want that. Teach me how you pray. Right
0: yeah, yeah. I, and i do think it's important to recognize it looks different for everyone yeah and so it's not there isn't a formula for this and so if you're thinking and you try to explain that a little bit before there's not about yeah it's not about putting on a certain face or doing it and stuff and like then you're ready to pray it's it really is individual um yeah. and these are just this is like a, a framework for what jesus lays out
1: that's right that's right so um the way that it worked back then of course were with like rabbis and disciples um you know they mentioned john john has taught his disciples how to pray so jesus why aren't you teaching us kind of a thing um that the, the disciples wanted to mirror or emulate their rabbis so whatever the rabbi did the disciples wanted so if they saw their rabbi with such a deeply intimate connective prayer time with with the father they wanted that too it's something that they longed for of course and i think that a lot of us experience that longing as well because we've been created to connect with our creator Mm -hmm. so it makes sense that we would have that longing within us um and if you feel that longing and you didn't realize it was for prayer and you've been filling it with all sorts of other things and i think god is just inviting you to to place those other things to the side and, and engage in that intimate relationship of prayer so i think jesus you know that he's. They say, "Teach us," and Jesus says, "Okay, well, start with familiar language, like start with things that you recognize, that you know, um, that sense of that that heart connection with God." So, um, one of the, he says, "You know, start with start with familiar words of your heart's desire of connections. Hmm. Our Father, um, our Papa." our mother our holy parents i think of trustworthy and tender faithful compassionate caring it's like jesus is saying root yourself in this space of intimacy when you come to prayer root yourself in this language that is so familiar to you marinate in it allow the truth of those words actually to become true for you because sometimes That doesn't come about. like It's like Jesus is saying, pray until the wounds of fatherhood and the traumas of your own parents become healed and mended and you're set free. Pray our father until you believe it. And friends, when you can't believe it, that's where I get to come in and I can believe it for you. And when I can't believe it, that's where you come in, and you believe it for me. There's a reason that it says "our Father" instead of "my Father." It is a prayer of community. It is a prayer of, of, of communion. Now, the word "Father," it was actually a very familiar word for God. Um, it wasn't simply just a an intimate word for God. It actually had. A, it was a word that harkened back to Exodus. Harkened. Harkens. Uh,
0: okay. <laughs> <No. laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I love when things are harkened. <laughs>
1: So people, you know, if like, if his disciples were, if he says to his disciples father, then they would be like, oh yeah, that's like language that God has used for God's self from the Exodus. Um, Exodus four, you know, it it talks about God hearing the cries of of the people and, and is drawn towards those cries out of a, out of a, a feeling of compassion. And then in Exodus 4, God invites Israel to refer to God as Father and for Israel to see themselves as children of God, these beloved children. So this wasn't simply a term of intimacy that Jesus was inviting them into, but it was actually also a term of liberation and rescue. So when we pray our Father as disciples of Jesus, This Disciples' Prayer, I know we call it Lord's Prayer, but it's really the Disciples' Prayer. When we we pray our Father, we are also praying out a cry for liberation from pain and injustice and trauma and inequity in this world. It is a calling that we're not just meant to pray for ourselves, but we're actually meant to pray it for everyone. Our means that it is a shared healing that we're praying into. A shared liberation. It, it's this shared accountability with each other.
0: There's a, a groaning that happens in between the words and between oh, the yeah. lines.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even in the Bible, the Spirit, like the, the, Jesus says, how the Spirit groans alongside of us. Yeah, that, that groaning in between the words. There's this um, hmm. this sense that when 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 we pray, our we are sharing into that liberation, this shared healing, this shared justice, that I am including myself alongside you in that liberation work. This is a, it becomes this shared responsibility of bringing forth God's kingdom. And so often we think of ourselves as like, well, it's up to me to save everybody, especially like this evangelical hero complex, the savior complex that we have sometimes, but this is a shared kingdom bringing to earth and in this shared and intimate space of prayer we learn to forgive each other we learn to meet each other's needs through bread as we pray that out and we pray the forgiveness out and we we learn to walk with each other through trials and temptation and 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 we know that we're together in this but at the same time it says Jesus says um That where we're supposed to pray, lead us not into temptation, or uh, another translation says, lead us away from temptation. But there's a sense that when we are led by God, God is with us before us and behind us and on the side of us. God is with us in those spaces of trial and hardship with us. And in this shared, intimate prayer, we become shameless in our cry for help knowing that God cried before us before we ever cried for God, that God heard our cries every step of the way. And so there's a sense of shamelessness that we can come before this Lord's prayer, this disciple's prayer, and know that our Father, not some reluctant neighbor that seems inconvenienced by our, by our continued asks, but actually our, the sense of wanting to engage and show up and be there with us in the midst of it all
0: hmm. it's the beautiful
1: parts about these prayers
0: what would you say to someone who uh is is str- struggling with prayer someone who's said yeah. it's just like i can't do it right now i can't it's yeah. hard I've tried or you know those things how would you would you answer that or yeah i
1: mean and, and a lot of you know that my son's been sick for a while with this like stomach thing that we don't know what's going on. There's like severe pain, and you know we're we're getting all the help that we need, and it's not something that um is it, it's just very hard. It's been very hard, and oftentimes I keep thinking like, man, I just don't know if I can keep praying for this because is God even listening? Does God hear my cry? Like things are pretty much the same, so what's the point of praying? and i think one of the things that we're meant to do with prayer is not to not to lift up our requests and um as like a as god being as i said before god being like some cosmic vending machine to answer in the way that we want god to answer but there is a sense of i don't remember who it was who said this i don't think it was Soren Kierkegaard but somebody some other like not famous um theologian desert father said prayer woneth the heart to god the sense that when i pray even if i don't know if god will do what i'm asking god to do my heart is wonneth to god it is it is being bound to god and god's will And the fact of the matter is friends is that god's will in this world is not sickness is not pain and suffering. God's will is not death and cancer and divorce. God's will is not relationships being broken and sadness happening and a global pandemic and people losing their jobs. That is not God's will. But when we pray, we are, it's this amazing thing that can happen where we are pushing back those dark parts of this world that are against God's will. The things that are thwarting God's will, those powers, those principalities, the evil, the sin, you know, the, the, the sin in this world is, is, is systemic, it's big, it's it's injustice that, that you know, affects individuals, but it's bigger than we can actually grab a hold of sometimes. And when we pray, we push back those dark things in this world. We say enough. Because when we pray, we are actually doing the work of kingdom, of redeeming this world, of redeeming the broken things, of saying, no, we don't need this in our lives anymore. It ones our hearts to God. This is a, a God who gives life and has purpose for us. And when we pray, we are, we are reconnected to that life, that abundant life and the purpose that God has for all of us in this world. We're meant to be kingdom people that pushed back the darkness. And the beautiful thing, I know I keep saying the beautiful thing, but it's true. The way that it ends, the way that he ends his this, this part of the scripture in Luke, Jesus says, if then though you are evil, <laughs> know how to good, good give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So friends, we can pray for our needs. I can pray for my son to be well. I can pray for your cancer to go away. I want to pray for your marriages to thrive and be healthy. I want to pray for your families to be beautiful and kind and and for justice to roll down like an everlasting stream. But when we pray, Jesus says that your father in heaven gives you the Holy Spirit. So the answer might not be what we're looking for, but in prayer, we are given the Holy Spirit and everything we need is met in that moment. Things might not be right in the world, but it is right in your soul. And for that, we are thankful. Peace and grace, friends.